Dopaminister molecule for motivation, drive, happiness, reward and all the good stuff everyone wants to have. So this episode is about all the superpowers dopamine has in store for us. So welcome to the podcast Happy Healthy Life Talk. I'm Monika Mütter and I'm so super excited and happy that you are here today. Dopamine is a chemical in our brain and body and it is known as the feel-good hormone because it gives us a sense of pleasure. Dopamine is the most important neurotransmitter that is involved in reward processing and it actually regulates our mood, our motivation and our drive. So our current mood and our motivation to pursue specific goals primarily depend on our dopamine level. And maybe you have heard already about dopamine hits or dopamine peaks when we actually tend to habitually check our social media account because we might be too bored right now or we might be not so inspired about our current work or we might just don't like what we are actually doing. So we are looking for something inspiring that we actually feel better again and we often like to check, for example, our Instagram account. And by seeing some inspiring posts, we actually get a small dopamine hit. So meaning, dopamine is released into our brain and body. And indeed, these dopamine hits make us feel good again, at least for a very short period of time. And because I already said dopamine is the feel-good hormone, it makes us to feel great. And after a certain time, we actually want to have that feeling again. And then we tend to check our social media account again, or we tend to play video games again. So just to get this dopamine hit again. At first, I actually want to do a quick deep dive what dopamine actually is, what dopamine does in our body, where addiction comes from, and why we often feel pleasure or pain shortly after one another. And then we can discuss things that actually increase dopamine level, how we can keep our dopamine level high, what dopamine actually has to do with the fact that we love to check our social media account habitually and how we can actually get rid of any addiction. May the addiction be related to social media or video games or smartphone in general. We will talk about that later. So let's jump right into a quick deep dive what dopamine actually is so that we are all on the same level again. So dopamine is actually known, as I already said, as the feel-good hormone and it is always released in the synaptic cleft when we actually receive a reward. So for example, when someone says something really nice to us or pleasurable or when someone points out what we did really good, then dopamine is released in our brain and body. And you probably heard about neurons before, neurotransmitters and synapses, but let's just do a quick summarize. So what's this all about? So dopamine is actually a neurotransmitter and it works in the brain. And the main functional cells of our brain are called the neurons. And between neurons, there are tiny little gaps called synapses. And these neurons communicate with each other at synapses via electrical signals and neurotransmitters. So you can compare neurons, synapses and the synaptic cleft with a baseball or baseball game actually. So the neurotransmitters are like the baseballs. And the pitcher is the presynaptic neuron and the catcher is the postsynaptic neuron. And the space between the pitcher and the catcher is the synaptic cleft, which has to overcome by the baseball, or in our case, in the neurons by the neurotransmitters. 
And just as the ball is thrown between the pitcher and the catcher, neurotransmitters bridge the distance between neurons. So neurotransmitters act actually as a chemical messenger from one neuron to another neuron. And it is actually regulating what we experience. We have many different neurotransmitters like acetylcholine, serotonin, adrenaline, dopamine, but in this episode we just focus on dopamine. So dopamine is released in a synaptic cleft when we receive a reward. In fact, dopamine may even play a bigger role in the motivation to get the reward than the pleasure of the reward itself. It is more about the wanting the reward than the liking the reward itself. So if we really want something and we really have the motivation to do it, then dopamine is actually released into the synaptic cleft and we might experience this wanting, this drive to get something, this motivation to do it. We actually experience this more pleasurable than the reward itself. So when we really want something and have the motivation to do it, then dopamine is released into the synaptic cleft. And a certain level of dopamine firing in the brain, even in the absence of reward, makes a tonic level and it's also called the baseline dopamine level. So we have this baseline dopamine level, which is a dopamine level which is circulating in our brain and body at all times, even in the absence of any rewards. And then we have dopamine hits, or also called dopamine peaks. And these hits depend on various actions. They can actually depend on compounds we ingest, and they can even depend on thoughts we think. It is actually critically important to maintain a sufficient level of baseline dopamine to sustain a day-to-day -day motivation. So we actually need a baseline dopamine level to have a day-to-day -day motivation. We don't want that baseline too low or too high. So certain high dopamine substances, for example, chocolate or caffeine, as well as the expectation of pleasure, for example, when we are eating good food or when we're meeting friends or when we're drinking alcohol, social media, gaming, whatever, they can actually trigger the release of dopamine in our brain's rewards pathway and they can actually create a dopamine peak. And this dopamine peak lets us feel really good. We feel very energetic and pleasurable. Well, in fact, these dopamine peaks make us feel so good that we actually want to experience that again. Well, however, from an evolutionary point of view, dopamine actually cannot always stay on that high level. Because dopamine has always been our inward urge to go out foraging for food. So meaning dopamine has always been the neurochemical that made us go out and look for food. And once we found the reward, namely we found the food, for example the meat or the berries, we experienced this high hit of dopamine and we were very satisfied. Well, if the dopamine level would have stayed that high, we would have stopped foraging, we would have stopped looking for food and we would have never gone out again to seek for food again. So it was tremendously important that the dopamine level went down again. Well, otherwise we would have just died from the lack of food. And there are actually two things now. So our body needs to have a sufficient level of baseline dopamine to have a day-to-day -day motivation. And then we actually need to have dopamine peaks or dopamine hits from time to time to feel very energetic, to feel very motivated and to have this feeling good hormone in our body. But after a dopamine hit or dopamine peak, it is tremendously important that the dopamine is actually going down again. 
And how satisfying or how exciting or how pleasurable a given experience is doesn't just depend on the height of the peak, it also depends on the height of the peak relative to the baseline. So how much dopamine you experience from something depends on the baseline level when you arrive there and also from previous dopamine peaks. So why is this the case? Why does it depend on your previous dopamine peaks? Well, when we experience something very exciting or very pleasurable, a lot of dopamine is released into the synaptic cleft and gives us this tremendous dopamine peak. Well, in fact, Dopamine is released from the synaptic vesicles, which are stored in a presynaptic neuron. So we have like these vesicles in our presynaptic neuron that are full of dopamine. And this pool of dopamine is ready to be released. But once the dopamine is actually released into the synaptic cleft, the vesicles get depleted. And these vesicles need to restore the dopamine first again before they actually can release some more dopamine again. So we can only deploy the dopamine that is ready to be released in the vesicles. Meaning you can only release the dopamine that has been synthesized before. So when you do something that leads to a huge increase of dopamine. Your dopamine baseline drops afterwards because no dopamine is left anymore. And when you have too many, too exciting situations coming shortly one after another, dopamine cannot be manufactured and restored in this short period of time so that you are actually experiencing less excitement for the same event as if you would have left some time in between each situation. And this is actually meant when I say how much dopamine you experience depends on your previous dopamine peaks. Because if you have too many dopamine peaks coming shortly one after another there is just no time to restore the dopamine in the dopamine vesicles and then no dopamine can actually get released into the synaptic cleft. And this is actually exactly what happens to people who are addicted to social media or who are addicted to playing video games or who are addicted to whatever. So when they are actually playing video games, when they are reading a book, when they are looking at who like their latest Instagram reel, when they are eating chocolate They experience that extremely pleasurable event and then they actually have this huge dopamine peak that gives them so much energy and motivation that they want to experience it again right away. This is natural because we want to recreate those good feelings or at least we want to try to not let them fade away. And a simple solution to keep eating or keep playing or keep watching or keep reading is that we just do it again. But there is actually a problem with it. Because when we repeat that pleasurable event, our initial pleasure gets weaker and weaker every time we do it and we actually feel more pain. And scientists call this process actually neuroadaption. Neuroadaption means with repeating the same thing again and again, we actually need more of that drug to get the same effect again. And addicted people actually think they can increase their dopamine baseline when they experience the same thing over and over again. But actually the opposite is true because they are depleting their dopamine vesicles more and more and more and their baseline is going down because every manufactured and stored dopamine is immediately released into the synaptic cleft. So the time between two dopamine hits is too short that their vesicles cannot get restored again. And addicted people actually actually do not experience any pleasure at all anymore. Why is this the case? Well, addicted people narrow their focus only on the things that bring them pleasure. So they only do things that make them feel excited or that make them feel 
pleasurable so that they actually achieve the dopamine release only when they play, for example, video games. And then they actually start losing interest in other activities. For example, they lose interest in school, in meeting friends and in their relationship because it doesn't give them any dopamine release anymore. And what actually will happen is that they will even stop experiencing dopamine increases from that activity as well. So they get no dopamine high anymore. And because of continuously playing or eating or checking social media or whatever, their dopamine does not get restored and it actually gets worse because if they don't take that drug, they feel miserable. And that's actually when they fall into a very serious and severe depression, which actually needs to be medicated by specialists. And I actually just want to mention the pleasure pain balance now because when we experience something we really like or we really enjoy, then dopamine is released and we experience pleasure. But right after the pleasure in our brain, the dopamine firing decreases because there is simply no or at least not much dopamine left. And it takes a short period of time before dopamine can actually be restored in the vesicles again. And that mini dopamine de deficit, meaning the time until the dopamine is restored in the vesicles, that's the time when dopamine is actually below the baseline. So after a dopamine peak, dopamine does not only go back to the baseline, it actually goes below the baseline first. And this is actually the state when we experience pain. And this pain effect is actually what motivates us to seek out for our reward again. So the overall goal for most of us is that we actually want to have a sufficient high dopamine baseline with dopamine peaks once in a while. And the question is, how can we achieve both? Have a high dopamine baseline as well as dopamine peaks from time to time. And the question actually now is how to manage your dopamine baseline and how to manage your dopamine peaks. And I will start now with the dopamine baseline and I will give you six tricks or tools based on science how you can actually sustain your motivation and have a sufficient dopamine baseline. So the first tool to get a sufficient dopamine baseline is get early morning sunlight for about 10 to 30 minutes on a daily basis, because light actually influences the release of dopamine and has positive benefits on your mood and your social activity. And if you actually do it consistently, it will also increase the levels of gene expressions for certain dopamine receptors. So getting sunlight in the morning, ideally right after you wake up for about 10 to 30 minutes, is a very sufficient and very powerful tool to increase your dopamine baseline. The second tool is actually get a cold shower because one study found out that taking a cold shower with water temperatures about 14 degrees Celsius increases your plasma noradrenaline concentration by 530% and your dopamine concentration by 250%. So cold shower really increases your baseline in dopamine as well as noradrenaline for hours after you took the cold shower. Well, I actually have to mention that the study I'm referring to, they did this cold shower experiment with iced water and the people stayed there for about an hour. And it is quite obvious that most of us, including myself, we won't stay in an iced cold water for about an hour and simply because we don't have enough time or we don't want to. And that's 
totally fine. But the question now is how long should you actually take a shower? Well, you will definitely have some positive effects on your dopamine level even when you do it for a shorter period of time. And the ideal um, time frame would be three to five minutes, but The question here is actually it should be only as long as you can take it. You have to stay safe and if you feel safe for about se 10 seconds then it's absolutely fine. And the other question is how cold should the water be? And well this is the same again as cold as possible but you still have to feel safe. The third tool I actually want to tell you is Eat tyrosine-rich food, such as red meat, nuts, or hard fermented cheese. So tyrosine is actually an amino acid building block for dopamine. So when you eat a lot of tyrosine food, your body has enough resources to produce its own natural dopamine. So the more tyrosine you eat, actually, the more resources your body has that it can produce its own dopamine. And the fourth tool for a very sufficient dopamine baseline is actually avoid melatonin supplements because melatonin has a potent inhibitory effect on the regulation of dopamine. So there is actually a study that found out that when you take melatonin on a regular base, your dopamine decreases by more than 50% after five weeks. Well, it definitely decreases earlier, but the five weeks was just when they measured the dopamine level again and it's just so counterproductive when you do things to increase your dopamine baseline and then you actually take melatonin because melatonin alone decreases your dopamine level. So the fifth point I actually want to mention is that you should avoid viewing bright lights between 10 p.m. and 4 a.m. So when you are actually exposed to bright light between 10 p.m. and 4 a.m. on a regular base, you will get higher levels of certain stress hormones which result in depression and a lower cognitive function because it affects the brain center for mood, memory and learning. So it is not very good for your brain, for your mood, for your learning, for everything when you are actually exposed to bright light between 10 p.m. and 4 a.m. because this will result in higher levels of certain stress hormones which do have an effect on your mood, memory and learning. The last fact I actually want to mention for a sufficient dopamine baseline is do drink coffee. And all the coffee lovers will love this now because they say yes coffee is good for me because Caffeine actually causes a mild increase in dopamine, that's good, but there is actually a more important fact because caffeine also increases the availability of dopamine receptors. So this actually means that the dopamine receptors are more sensitive to the circulating dopamine in your body. So when you drink coffee, the dopamine has actually better effects on your mood, on your cognitive function, on all the other good stuffs of dopamine because the dopamine receptors are more sensitive to the circulating dopamine in your body. There's just one point I actually want to mention. Don't drink Drink any caffeine too late, not prior to eight hours before bedtime, because this definitely has an impact on a quality of sleep. So let's just summarize the six points that do really have an impact on your dopamine baseline. Well, the first one was few early morning sunlight for about 10 to 30 minutes. The second one is take a cold shower. The third one was eat tyrosine-rich food. The fourth one was avoid melatonin supplements. The fifth one, avoid 
bright lights between 10 p.m. and 4 a.m. And the sixth one was, do drink coffee or ingest caffeine. And now comes the fun part. How can we actually manage the dopamine peaks? Because the dopamine peaks give us this good mood. They give us this drive and motivation and they actually make us to do something. So we all want these dopamine peaks. So how can we actually manage these dopamine peaks? And the first most powerful tool for a dopamine release and staying motivated is when you have an intermittent reward schedule. So this actually means you do not know whether you will win or whether you will lose. So there was actually a study that found out that the amount of dopamine which is released was the highest when the probability of losing and winning was nearly 50%. So when you have a 50-50 chance that you will win or lose, then the most dopamine was released. And this is actually the central point by which casinos keep you gambling, by which social media and all other highly engaging activities keep you motivated and pushing. So now the question is actually, what can you actually do to have as long as possible these extremely high dopamine releases? And the answer is quite simple, because you need to have an intermittent schedule, meaning you need to have something that you actually do not know whether you will get a reward or not. So for every activity you want to enjoy more in the future, you want to continue to enjoy, you actually need to have this intermittent schedule. So all activities that are really important to you, like school, sport, relationship, your work, whatever, you should be really careful with allowing yourself to experience these huge peaks in dopamine release, well, unless you are actually willing to suffer the crash that follows. So there are actually people who love to get this high dopamine peak from working out. So they actually drink energy drinks, they listen to good music, and then they actually will experience this really high dopamine peak afterwards. But the trick here is as soon as you expect it, it is not intermittent and it will definitely lose the power after a couple of times when you did it. So one tool you can actually use is flip a coin and when you get, for example, hat, you can listen to music and drink your energy drinks. But if you do not have the hat, you should avoid to do both. You should not drink the energy drink and you should not listen to the music if this actually helps you to get this really high dopamine release afterwards. And this actually brings me right to the second point I want to mention because the second point is do not layer too many sources of dopamine. This actually means if you layer too many sources that help you to get this really high dopamine peak, for example, by working out, when you listen to music, when you're drinking a pre-work energy drink, in order to get this dopamine flush, then this is actually layering many sources to get the dopamine peak. And this is actually counterproductive. So do not use stimulants every time you work out or every time you study, because at some point they might not work anymore. And you might have to double or triple them in order to get the same dopamine experience as at the beginning when you didn't use any stimulants. And the third very effective tool for having sufficient dopamine peaks is Learn to access the rewards from the effort and not from the final goal itself. Well, this actually goes along with the growth mindset you might have heard before because growth mindset actually teaches you how to enjoy the effort and the actually doing instead of enjoying the reward that comes afterwards. Because when you do something, it might be really tough and painful at some point of it. And this actually might lead to the fact that your brain starts to dissociate the actual doing, which is really painful and hard and tough at the moment from the reward 
because it's just too far away. So people who know how to enjoy actually the effort and the exercise who tell themselves this effort is great or this exercise is great, they actually perform much better than people who always look out for the reward at the end. And the reason for that is actually that dopamine marks time and the time of the tough and hard moments might be just too long that our brain starts to dissociate the effort and the final goal. So the third point is learn to access the rewards from the effort and not from the final goal itself. And the fourth very effective tool is actually spotlighting because dopamine interacts with our visual system. The scientist Dr. Emily Bassett has found out that when you actually focus on a specific spotlight, for example, when you focus on a traffic cone while you are running, you perform actually much better, you are faster and the actual run appears much easier to you and you feel less exhausted because you focused your attention on that spotlight. Because when you focus on that specific point, several neurochemicals like dopamine and adrenaline bring you in the state of alertness, readiness and clear focus and this really makes you drive and focused and motivated to do it. The fifth point I actually want to mention is do not underestimate to which extent the dopamine system is under your control. Well, dopamine is actually subjective. So you learn at some point in your life what you can actually expect from a certain event. So when you, for example, drink coffee and you feel really motivated afterwards, your body learns that caffeine helps you to feel good. Or when you won a specific tournament or whatever and receive a reward, you actually learned how this feels. So as we grow up, we actually learn how to connect specific events with internal chemical releases. And there's actually also a study which showed that students that were told that they actually get a placebo or caffeine or Adderall, which is a really hypotent pharmaceutical drug, um, they actually experienced different levels of motivation depending on what was actually told to them what they will actually get. So do not underestimate to which extent the dopamine system is under your control. So when you actually tell yourself that you are moving towards your right goal, it can be actually a huge stimulator for your dopamine release. So you can actually use your cognitive control to get a dopamine release. Well, obviously you cannot lie to yourself. So when you actually lost, you cannot tell yourself that you won. But other than that, for example, when you tell yourself you are on the right track, it definitely has an impact on your dopamine release and you can make use of this. So Do not underestimate under which extent the dopamine system is actually under your control. And the sixth point I actually want to mention is supplements. Well, personally, I'm not a big fan of supplements unless you have really a deficit of some thing in your body, then it's definitely worth Uh, using supplements but just using it to microspike dopamine I'm not a huge fan of it but I actually want to mention it here so that you actually know that there are supplements actually with controlled scientific studies that also can increase your dopamine levels. Two supplements I want to mention is L-tyrosine and alpha-GPC. So using 500 to 1000 milligram alpha-tyrosine or additionally 300 milligram of alpha-GPC, 
This actually can microspike or increase your dopamine levels and it is still not on a subscription. But yeah, as I already said, I'm personally not a big fan of it and that's just the way I want to leave it for now. So let's summarize real quick the six things or facts or tools that help to manage your dopamine peaks. And the first one was use intermittent reward timing, meaning you do not know whether you will receive a reward or not. And the second one was do not layer too many sources of dopamine, meaning do not listen to music, drinking a pre-energy drink prior any workout. The third one was learn to access the rewards from the effort and not from the final goal itself. The fourth one was when you spotlight on specific things, this can actually increase your dopamine peaks. And the fifth one was do not underestimate to which extent the dopamine system is under your control. And the sixth one was supplements like L-tyrosine or alpha-GPC, which can also increase your dopamine levels. And now we actually have two main questions left. Why do we tend to check social media habitually? And there are actually two main aspects I want to mention. And the first one is social media uses variable reward schedules. So we have nearly a 50-50 chance that we see new inspiring posts when we check our social media account or that we actually receive a like or no like for the latest post or reel we made. And we actually have no clue when we will receive the like. And then we actually tend to check as often as possible. And the second aspect why we actually check social media habitually is when the checking of the reward or if the checking of the new post comes at little costs, meaning it is super easy that we can grab our phone because it's laying next to us anyhow, then we have a huge possibility that we will check social media habitually. And now comes the second question I actually want to answer. How can we get rid of any kind of addiction? And here's the good news. If we wait long enough, our brains usually readapt to the absence of the drug as we re-establish our baseline homeostasis. So, for example, when we wait long enough, we will be able to enjoy and take pleasure in everyday simple rewards like going for a walk or watching the sunset. So what we actually need is a break from the addictive source we are using to become unaddicted. And 30 days is usually the average amount of time that is needed for breaking a habit. So it, this is actually the time for the brain to reset the reward pathways so that the dopamine transmission is regenerated to itself. So 30 days of zero interactions to any substance, for example, to social media, to the person, to whatever is needed in order to get rid of that addiction. So the good news is when we wait long enough, meaning when we wait 30 days of zero interaction, we can actually get rid of any kind of addiction. So you might think now that 30 days may seem a long time and indeed the first two weeks you will actually feel the worst than ever before. But the sun might come up in week three and in week four you will actually start to have a new life again. And these are all data which I got from Dr. Anna Lemke, who's an American psychiatrist who is actually the chief of the Stanford Addiction Medicine Dual Diagnosis Clinic at the Stanford University. 
I really hope that you enjoyed this episode about dopamine and that you know now why it is better to fall in love with the process itself rather than a final product. And if you want to support this podcast, feel free to subscribe to the podcast, comment on social media platforms, LinkedIn or Instagram. And other than that, I really hope to see you again soon. Yours, Monica.